You're listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. Welcome back to Parenting Our Future. It's Robin McMahon here again, and I have two really special guests today. We're talking about social media safety, and I am honored to have from the Organization for Social Media Safety, I have um, Mark Berkman, who is the CEO of this amazing organization. Welcome, Mark. Happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having us, Robin. You're welcome. And I also have Ed Peisner, and he is the founder and serves as the National Education Director for the Organization for Social Media Safety as well. Welcome, Ed. Hi, Robin. Thank you for having us. You are, yeah, I'm, I am honored truly to have you here and uh, to talk about a really, uh, a really difficult subject because, you know, we're, we're all sitting here talking about social media and, uh, and one of the things that I know for sure is as parents, we're pioneers in this whole, you know, this whole subject, yes. this whole, we're, we're sucked in by it too. I mean, I sit down at night, watch TV and play on my phone too, right? So um, I know that there's a lot going on. Um, and so what I would love to do is, is start with um, really your why, you know, um, let's, let's talk about your why. And then I want to talk about what the Organization for Social Media Safety is. So Ed, can, can I, can I, as a founder, can I? Um, Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. So I will share my, my why, my story. Um, and you, again, a minute ago, we just talked to our parents. We were, we're all parents, Mark, everybody listening. Um, my why began four years ago on a typical Friday afternoon when my child, Jordan, at the time was 14 years old, had called me after school and said, hey, dad, I'm walking home uh, from school. Every Friday, I allowed him to walk home not too far. It was like a mile. I said, sure, son. Mm -hmm. Uh, again, it was a typical Friday afternoon. I was home with my daughter, who was a couple years younger at the time. We were, I, I believe we were making little pizza bites or cookies in the oven. And um, I told Jordan, I'll see him in a little while. And I got a phone call about 20 minutes later or so from one of his friends. And they said, Mr. Peisner, somebody punched Jordan. You need to come down here. He was half a mile away at a fast food restaurant. I said, sure, okay, I'm on the way. And I just left, told my daughter, watch the oven. You know, I grabbed an ice pack thinking it was just, you know, a nosebleed or something like that. Uh, and I just nonchalantly drove down. Right. You know, thinking nothing of it. Um, what I drove, when I got there, what I came upon was a police car, an ambulance, a fire truck, and a, a horde of kids, 30, 40 kids. And I mean, I get chills telling this story every time Mark knows this. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I threw my door open, threw the car in park, ran to the ambulance, uh, threw the kids, and there's my son in the back of the ambulance. He is covered in blood. His eyes are rolled back, and you know, I'm asking the paramedic, "What's going on?" They said, "Listen, he's uh, he's got a epidural hematoma. He's bleeding inside the head, in the brain." It's coming out his ear. Ay, ay, ay. Um, so hard every time this part. And I said, okay, they said, we're gonna take him to the local hospital. I jump out of the, out of the ambulance and then the kids run up to me 
And I said, what happened? Someone tell me what happened. And Robin, they took their phone. They said, look, and they're showing me. I swear to God, this happens every time I tell this story. They're showing me the video. And there's my son talking to a friend. And there's this boy walking up behind him. And with all of his might, he just levels my son. One punch, side of the head. Jordan's not seeing this coming. He's from behind. And you, see, you hear the sound. I can't even listen to the sound anymore. He falls to the ground, unconscious. And then what you see on the video are people running over and filming him. Oh, my God. Taking his picture. They have the whole thing from before and after. No one, no one stopped. The person who's filming, the person walking up to my son, they didn't scream and say, stop, stop, stop. They filmed. Then, of course, when it was done, they shared it on social media. They're, they're passing it around like you pass around you know, a stick of gum and maybe handing it out to people. Wow. So Jordan um, went to the local hospital. His brain injury was traumatic. They said he has a traumatic brain injury. They airlifted him to Children's Hospital in Los Angeles. He spent a week in the ICU uh, where he had a 14 some odd millimeter um, hematoma inside, swelling of the brain. We heard things like they might take a piece of a skull out. They might drill in holes. You know, there's a chance he might not make it. The first six hours, the most important six hours. Uh, things you, as a parent, you never want to hear ever. Yeah. And, you know, a week later, he was released from the hospital. We opted, the, the neurosurgeon opted to leave the hematoma in and let's see the progression. Some bodies, you know, and because with surgery comes other risks. So they said this is, has less risk than that. Um he came home and after he was released and we got home and obviously that moment in time was etched in my head forever, but that moment in time is here forever, never mm-hmm. to go away on social media. And that was, you know, that's really the, the turning point in my life. When I got home, I started looking into what could we do? I don't want any family to ever experience what I experienced. Mm-hmm. How could I turn this mess into a message? And I started mm-hmm. by going to the schools and, and, and talking to the kids. And I reached out to my local assembly member's office here where I live to see if there were laws that we could prosecute or do something. We have to do something. And at the time, Mark Berkman was the chief of staff for my local assembly member. And coincidentally, by the time I reached out to Mark about a week later, the video of Jordan made it into Mark's inbox via email within a few hours of it happening. That's how rapidly these things spread today. I mean, when we say going viral, we mean viral. And Mark had already, when I, when I contacted his office, he'd already known about it. Oh, you're Ed Pies. Yeah, we know what happened to your son. So that's the why. That's the why. Um, And honestly, I didn't know where to begin. Thank God for Mark. Uh, We both really, started doing some research on looking into this and realized, wow, something had to be done. Wow. So is Jordan okay? You know, my answer to that question has been Jordan's different. Jordan's alive. I get to hug Jordan, mm-hmm. he, but he's different. Mm-hmm. His personality has changed. You know, it affected him physically, emotionally. Oh, yeah. uh, he was, you know, this 
budding drama student who was always, you know, vying for the, the lead role in a show. And he was just starting ninth grade when this happened. His entire high school um, experience was ruined, Ru absolutely ruined. He did not have the high school experience that he wanted to have. He dropped out of drama class. He became the, oh, you're that boy, you know, mm -hmm. and it affected him emotionally. And it still does to this day. We're still dealing with that. Uh, the physical nature of it, we're still dealing with. Uh, he did have hearing loss because his eardrum was ruptured. And when it healed, it he lost some hearing. Uh, he's different. He's different, but he's mine, you know, and I still get to hug him. Yeah. And so I'm blessed beyond. Yeah. But it also affected, I have two other children. I have a, a younger daughter and an older son, and it, it affected them. Yeah. So that's my why. Uh, I could sort of turn it over to Mark because he could tell you the, the how and what we did to begin. Yeah, I, I would love to know that and, and, and how this, the organization for social media safety was born. I think, thank you for sharing that and being so vulnerable and open about it. I can see how hard that was. You know, I don't know, you know, people, they, they're listening either through podcast platform or through YouTube. And I mean, yeah. Hard. It's hard every time. It's been four years and I feel like it was yesterday. Every time I tell that story, I, because I visualize my son in the back of that ambulance when I came upon and I get tears in my eyes and, you know, because it's my boy, you know, that's mm -hmm. my child. Someone, someone, he almost died. Yeah. And it's a thought you never, ever want to have as a parent. Mm -mm. And then to, to, to also have to let go of and make peace with the life that you thought he may have, right? And oh, absolutely. Is. Yeah. Yeah, and that is, absolutely. Is, mm -hmm. I yeah. That would be really tough. Yeah. Well, um, Mark, tell me, you know, what, were, what, what happened for you? How, how did this all unfold for you? Yes. Yeah, so as Ed said, the really horrific video of this attack was in my inbox, I want to say within an hour of it happening, maybe two. So it, it went viral very quickly. Uh, it's now been viewed by, I think, millions of people all over. And so in our office, we obviously, like everyone else watching it, there's, there's a revulsion, a sickening. And there was also this intuitive sense or, or not even intuitive but a real sense that these videos were out there that kids were watching them that they were motivating these types of attacks and violence so we we did our research to see what we could do to help to see if there was a way to legislate to to help solve part of this problem and what we did was we ended up graphing what we now call social media motivated violence or attacks committed for the purpose of filming and, and putting on social media to gain notoriety, to get those likes and shares. So starting at the birth of what we call major social media with Facebook around 2004, 2006, we saw about two to four attacks of what was then called the knockout game where people would walk up behind uh, a victim and hit them with the intent of filming it, knocking them out and putting it on social media. And is that, sorry to, to interrupt you, is that what happened to Jordan? Is that why that kid hit him? Because that is one of my questions that I'm, you know, sort of desperate to ask you, but. <laughs> yeah. We, I, oh, go ahead, I, I was just gonna say, we don't, we don't know the exact yeah. motivation. Oh, okay. I, I mean, we know, we know that the attack happened and, and it was filmed and, and put online okay. um, for this, but 
And some of these tax it's still been put online. We don't know. We weren't party to the the, the coordination process there. Um, but we certainly can can know on a on a big scale on a macro level that this is what's happening with all of these videos. And so what we did was we we charted them out. So you got two to four in 2006. And by the time you get up to when this happened in late 2016, 2017, you have thousands and thousands of these videos on all sorts of different social media platforms being viewed by millions. And I mean, millions of people, a lot of them kids, young people. Mm -hmm. And so it was horrifying. And the, the chart itself told the story. And so what we did was we wrote legislation that came to be known as Jordan's Law after, after Ed's son Jordan, to, uh, which was the, the first piece of legislation in the nation to deter social media motivated violence. And, what, and we passed that in less than a year, which is incredibly fast for a piece of legislation. And what that bill did was it made sure that anyone in California who was coordinating with someone to commit a violent attack and film it, was liable as an accomplice and subject mm -hmm. to an enhanced sentence. And we mostly use that at this point for, as a teaching tool uh, across the country and, and even internationally. And so the story of the Organization for Social Media Safety though, uh, begins because while we were working on that piece of legislation, usually as a legislative aid, you have your subject matter experts that you turn to because you're, uh, as an aide, you're working on a number of different issues and, and you turn to other nonprofits or associations to, to help you with the subject matter. And on this issue, there was no one. And there was no one focused exclusively on social media safety that was serving as a consumer protection organization. And this was despite the fact that at this time, cyberbullying everyone knew was connected to social media. That was continuing to grow exponentially. Uh, I had just come out of the foster sector a few years earlier too. Trafficking and social media were also incredibly linked and growing. Uh, the issue with propaganda and misinformation, we had just seen what happened with the 2016 elections and, and Russia and, and hate speech during those elections on social media, uh, tweets in the millions of racism, misogyny, uh, the list goes on and on. So all of these issues going on with social media, all of these dangers, and no one was looking at it as a focal point as an organization. And so Ed and I talked about it, and, and that's how we started the Organization for Social Media Safety. That's why. Wow. <clears throat> well, thank you for, for what you're doing. And what I love is that, uh, you know, this is the subject that crosses every single border. So, so what you're doing is really helping everybody everywhere because this is a common issue that we are all facing globally, right? And yep. uh, I mean, and, and the, the, the reality is it's not just kids that are being cyberbullied, it's adults. It's, you know, I mean, this it, things have yeah. sort of devolved in a way that is, that is very concerning for sure. Uh, especially when you talk of some of the more recent events. So, um, <laughs> Yeah. So, um, so in terms of, you know, so really what your organization helps parents navigate through and helps people navigate through are things like cyberbullying, um, you know, sexting and, and that sort of thing. Is that right? Like, can you, can you tell me how you're really helping, um, helping people and parents navigate this? Yes. So we do, we are a classic consumer protection organization. So we are built on three programmatic divisions. Mm -hmm. So we do advocacy. So we work at all levels of government in the US right now 
to enhance public policies around social media safety. So that includes things like Jordan's Law. We do technology development. So we work on software and apps that provide real-time protection against any and all social media dangers. And then there's the education piece. So we work with parents and students and educators uh, across the world to teach social media safety skills. And that's to protect against a range of dangers. As you mentioned, cyberbullying is a big one. Also, uh, social media addiction, excessive screen time, which leads to mental health issues and some other developmental issues. We work on that. Uh, hate speech, sexual harassment, the list really goes, goes on and on. So what we do is um, we have virtual courses, we go to schools, uh, we teach parents and students, like I said. We also consult with schools to help them develop policies around social media safety. So there's, we have a very comprehensive approach to protecting against a lot of these dangers. Yeah. Okay. So, so what I like is that um, you've really got solutions for parents and we actually do have something special for parents that are listening. So we'll talk about that at the end of the, at the end of the show here. Um, but, but so, so tell me, you know, what are you seeing as some of the biggest issues out there related to social media? Like what, what is it? Is it more, is it the hate speech? Is it cyberbullying? Um, you know, is it the fact that, you know, we talked about um, how Dr. Berman, how her son uh, was able to get drugs through Snapchat um, and overdosed and, and passed away, right? I mean, the answer, unfortunately, is all, I mean, all of the above, and especially during, uh, we're filming right now during the pandemic, of course, so all of these dangers have grown exponentially. We're a little in the dark in terms of some statistics, but we know that cyberbullying, which was probably one of the top two issues before when it came to social media related dangers has grown even more during the pandemic. So that's a huge one. Uh, screen time addiction, 63% of household of parents in the US have said that their kids have drastically increased their time on social media and devices. So that's growing along with that. Um, again, there's not proof that these are linked, but we would theorize that they are. We're seeing an increase in depression, an increase in self-harm, uh, an increase in developmental delays from all that time on the screen. Mm -hmm. Hate speech is, is, I mean, you mentioned hate, hate speech as well. So um, part of what we do when we go to schools is we survey the students in the school to help, help the school uh, red flag any issues and also helps us create a, a huge data set at the end of each year so we can look at what's happening on the ground with social media. So hate speech starting in the fifth grade, about 75% of fifth graders have seen explicit hate speech uh, on social media, which is, which is a huge issue. It's becoming normalized to them. It's increasing hate on the very far end. We see extremist behavior coming out of kids that's that's generated by their time on social media, or at least a big part of their time on social media. Uh, sexting is a, a continual problem. We're seeing about 40% of students sixth grade and up that have either sent or received a sext. So there, I mean, and, and unfortunately I could keep going. Yeah. There, there are just such, there's such a long list right now of these dangers. And part of the issue is, so we think of cyberbullying and we think of screen time addiction or social media addiction, but there's other dangers that, that parents don't think about and, and students don't think about that they're not aware of. 
uh, like human trafficking and some others. So part of our job is just to say, here's the danger and here's how you avoid it. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, okay. So there's, there's a bunch of things that you said there and, and I want to sort of address some of them in, in, in a different, in maybe a couple different categories. So, you know, some, some of like sexting, texting and, and, and that sort of thing, um, you know, look, we know, we know that when we give our child a device that has access to the internet, that they have access to all of these things, the potential is there, right? No matter what. And kids all can be sneaky as well. So we've got to, we've got to look at how they can be sneaky, but also what do they have access to? And so you've got to understand that as a parent, that they do have the potential to see pornography, right? To send a sext, to, um, to be bullied, right? And so we need to have some kind of agreement with our kids and we need to not bury our heads in the sand and just say, oh no, my kid will be fine, right? We need to look at what they're looking at too. My son, my youngest son, um, he loves um, anime. And then I found out about hentai. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh my gosh, like we better not be looking at that, right? I mean, I didn't have any idea. And so I don't think I am uh, different than most parents. You know, I mean, I'm tuned into more things, but at the same time, there's a lot I don't know. And that's scary, right? That's really scary. Absolutely. I, I think there's two issues for us parents. One, we didn't grow up with this. So... Right. It it is new to us and it's new to our kids and that's dangerous uh, and confusing and scary. And that makes it seem, or say too, it makes it seem overwhelming. Some parents feel guilt because they don't know what they should be doing. And that's really where we come in and say that that protecting your child uh, on these devices is doable. Hey, yeah. So, so, so give me some ideas on how that is doable, just for people listening. And, and everyone's going to go to your site and, and check everything out. But what are some tips that you have? Of course. So first of all, I, we were saying this a little as we were talking before the interview, that, that we love your philosophy. We love yeah. parenting from a place of empathy and from a place where, where you're not escalating parent-child conflict. Right. And that's how we try to think about and set up how we teach parents and the tips that we use. So on the 10,000 foot level, when we teach parents, we have actually created a system for parents to to make it so you're not hunting and pecking through the internet for a tip here and a tip there, or, or the relying on the parent rumor mill. We really wanted to create a comprehensive system for parents. And that system is a tip in itself. You, in our view, you need three things to help keep your, there's obviously no guarantees, but to help keep your child safe on social media, you need to have conversations with your child. One, to raise awareness of the dangers as we talked about, and two, to instill the various principles and values that will help them respond to the various dangers. Oh, some of them they're likely to encounter when they're on social media. So one is conversations, Two is rules, so it's, and it's purposely a, a separate part. So you have the conversations, um, open, honest, transparent conversation. Obviously, what you talk about is going to vary depending upon the exact age of your child. 
And then the second part is rules. So then you set out the rules that, that obviously fit for your family. Um, on our site, we have a template that parents can use. Again, that's gonna vary depending upon your particular family circumstances, but you set out the rules, what your children are supposed to do when they use social media each and every time. And then three is the settings that you need to set on your child's devices, on their operating systems and on the social media platforms that you allow on their phones. Um, a lot of parents don't do the, the settings calibration process of this and it's, it's vitally important. And when we talk about decreasing parent-child conflict, the settings play a huge role because what you can do is if you wanna prevent against unsafe, uh, an unsafe amount of time on social media, you just set up, you set up your time limits set it up, hands off. And then what it does is that's automatically consistent parenting. You don't have to intervene. It just shuts off every time and your child develops the habit of that's how long they're going to use social media for. So it decreases the conflict. You're also mm -hmm. automatically blocking some of this content and some of these sites and some of these platforms that your child is not developmentally old enough to, to or mature enough to, to be on. And so again, you're not having to intervene every, every day, every five seconds and, and be over your child uh, monitoring and watching. You can let the technology do that piece for you. Hmm. So that's, those are the, the 10,000 foot level tips. Obviously we have, we have a ton of tips we could get into that are, that are one-off tips, but those are the most no, important, I think. I think, for parents to, to understand this, this system. Yeah. And, and, you know, what that does for me is it just reinforces once again, that connection with our kids is the highest priority, right? Yep. Because when, when we have connection and connection to me means that there is a, that there is a, a respect that we have for our kids and also that we're willing to listen to them when they speak to us. So they know when they have something to tell us, like if they're being bullied or if, if they're depressed or, or, wh or whatever's going on, that they know that they have an open door to speak to us mm -hmm. and we will not judge them, criticize them, fly off the handle, punish them, you know, tell everybody around like that we are just there for them and only them and help to help them work it out. Right. Absolutely. I mean, yes. Everything. Uh, a thousand times, a thousand times. Yes. On that. It's, yep. it's everything. And that's part of having, uh, having, making sure the parents go through this conversation process too, and saying that explicitly, because if you say it explicitly, there's more of a chance that, that your child's going to internalize it too. And you mm -hmm. want, they will encounter issues on social media and you want mm -hmm. to be the one that they come to. Yeah. And so that's, absolutely crucial and and once you lose trust on social media as your child gets older you know if, if parent-child conflict is is escalated they're more likely to yes. get a burner phone hack around any settings that you've set up mm -hmm. and so having trust in in the relationship especially within the context of social media usage is very important and starting mm -hmm. early robin we talked mm -hmm. to you have you know children i have children um you, know, you heard my story, you heard my why, but before that happened, I gave my kids, you know, all three, I was a single father. I gave, they all had smartphones, you know, yeah. when they were in middle school, I gave them all phones. I didn't have any conversations. This wasn't available yeah. at all. I, I, I truly wish this organization was available and the conversations piece was, so I knew the conversations to have. I'm very open with my parenting with my kids, but mm -hmm. I didn't know 
what to say to them. I handed them a phone and said, here you go. Like most parents, like Mark said, you know, it's new to all of us. None of us knew. Yeah. And, and the fact of the matter is too, it's not going anywhere. So we need to be smarter, right. And uh, smarter than our kids, a step ahead of our kids, because they're so smart. We, we can't put our hand up and say, no, I'm off the technology train. I don't want to learn anymore. No, No, you got to dive in. Right. And if that connection isn't strong, I mean, doesn't that make that world outside of your home even more um, tantalizing, even more seductive, right? Of course makes you more vulnerable if you don't have a strong connection. I mean, it comes down to that time and time again. Um, Yes, I've heard that a lot. What I would would add to that thought too is a lot of parents think you have to go in and learn the platforms and learn the the ins and outs of each of the platforms. I think some some of the people working in this space will we'll echo that. You don't really need to. You need to understand whether platform is appropriate for your child's age level or not. And you just need to have these, these conversations and set these rules, which are based on general principles. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's actually a really good piece of advice because I think, you know, that is what some parents may think. Well, okay, now, now I got to be on Snapchat. You know, I don't want to be on Snapchat. Right. I have to be an expert. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, t- totally. Uh, now, now, so thank you for adding that in. Um, let's talk about screen addiction because it is such a difficult issue that every single parent is dealing with. And like you said, because of the pandemic and, you know, just boredom and for 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 all the right reasons in a way you've sort of gone to screens you know i probably watch more tv too you know than i than i did before so what what do we say what do we say about addiction what's it about what do we look for how do we stop it how do we disconnect all of the questions please (laughs) well first of all for any of the mental health experts in your in your audience addiction is a very specific term we're using it colloquially so um, you. you know, for, for our purposes, we essentially mean excessive use, use that is having some sort of negative impact uh, on the child. Do we believe that it's addictive in a clinical sense? Probably, uh, I think the evidence is, is still to come on that in, in a big way. But we all know, we all know it intuitively. We, we are addicted yeah. for the most part. The parents, we, we need to be looking at the phones. Parents are at restaurants, look at the phones, at their kids' games when we were able to, to have games, <laughs> right. I guess. Um, so, and, and the stats are, are bearing that out too. We found that, that self-reported kids sixth grade and up are reporting four hours plus a day on average on, on social media. And that was before the pandemic. And yeah, so I was going to say at least, yeah. It, it was before the pandemic. So we can only imagine what's happening now. And kids, kids on average are on devices nine hours a day. And again, that was before the pandemic. So, um, so there are issues with just time usage. And then we see very strong correlations with uh, mental health effects like depression and suicide, uh, eating disorders, learning deficits, sleeping issues. So it's a long list of, of effects that have been strongly correlated with excessive social media use and excessive general screen time use. Um, so we're concerned. Why would that be, why would that be um, you know, an increased risk for um, eating disorders and, and, and something like that? Is that because you, what, what you're looking at 
you just, you're surrounded by that because like begets like, whatever you like is the algorithm shows you more and more and more. Is that, is that why that is? Uh, it's an excellent question. There, there really is more evidence for this, this causation effect beyond correlation causation of excessive social media use and eating disorders or even, even less than excessive social media use and eating disorders. So yeah, like begets like, you can sort out and filter into a community. And this is true of hate speech and some other extremist behavior as well. You get into a community and it seems bigger and realer than it is. So that's one, two, you get, you get positive feedback on dangerous behavior. Yep. So people use right. uh, these hashtags like thinspiration, or there are pro anasites on Instagram and some other social media platforms where you gather with these people engaged in these dangerous uh, dieting and, and exercise regimens, and they are giving each other uh, false scientific information, oh. and they are, are giving each other social approval, which as yeah. you know, teens, tweens, they, they crave that. Yep. So th that's a big mechanism. The other one is this reality distortion effect right. of social media. So if you're spending five hours a day on Instagram or Snap or some other sites, and you are just scrolling through your feeds, and you're what you're seeing is one uh, curated picture. So people are only putting up their their best picture. Mm -hmm. Nobody but but Ed intentionally is putting up <laughs> bad pictures on uh, on their social media. So. <laughs> The curation and then photo editing. Most of these pictures now are edited. Uh, the the tweens, the teens are using apps like Facetune to yep. edit the pictures. So it, it creates this reality distortion of what real bodies are, what what real beauty is, and then mm -hmm. has that has a big effect. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Yeah, wow, that that's a really good uh, way to to describe it. Unfortunately. Um, and, you know, I, I do see, I, you know, when we talk about screens and screen time and, and that sort of thing, um, you know, uh, we've seen a huge increase in our own home as well. And especially with boys, you know, I think of boys having that, you know, you know, these games are so geared towards them, you know, they hunt, they fight, they kill, you know, and they're just like, it's just works perfectly with the boy brain, you know? Um, so, so things are set up against us in a way too, as parents, because they're so seductive, these, these games and different things. So, um, yeah. And, and so I do want to talk, I want to talk about you know, I mentioned Dr. Berman. Can you explain that story a little bit? Because that's what's really topical right now. Her son was able to, like, what happened there? How, how did that happen? With her sure. Son? So Dr. Berman, who's actually in, her family's in our own backyard in Los Angeles. Uh, she's, by the way, she's a therapist and uh, she's, uh, she has a show on, on the OWN network. Uh, people may have seen or heard of her. Her son, who I believe was uh, 16, he, like the rest of us, has been isolated at home. He was on Snapchat and he essentially ordered from a drug dealer on Snapchat some Xanax that turned out to be laced by the dealer with fentanyl, uh, which is a, a dangerous opioid that drug dealers use to, to get you more addicted to some of these uh, other prescription drugs that, that it should also not be using like Xanax yeah. and he overdosed and, and passed away. And so it, it, it really 
for us, horrifying, nauseating. Our, our hearts go out to Dr. Berman and her family during this time. This is a very recent event, and they started working with us on this particular danger. Um, the issue of connecting with people, particularly through Snapchat, which is an app designed to make your messages disappear so you can communicate almost anonymously or anonymously. These issues of, of uh, purchasing drugs through Snapchat, sexting, all of these dangers. We're seeing a, a bigger increase during this, this pandemic. And this issue of substance abuse is a huge one uh, across the world, really. Yeah. Well, and I and the reason why I wanted to 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 sort of talk about that is because that's new. I think that's new to be able to order from your phone, you know, a potentially lethal drug uh, versus going out to get it or whatever. I mean, oh my goodness, that takes things to a whole new level that I never heard of before and you know my heart breaks for Dr. Berman to to have lost a child you know if her son her son is 16 I have a 15 year old and yesterday my youngest turned 13 so you know we're we're in it with teenagers and that's very 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 scary um and you have the solutions and you have the way through so thank you for what you're doing for all of us parents who are you know just feeling our way through this, this whole thing, um, you know, you are empowering us to know more, to look for what it is that we need to look for and to just sort of, you know, look, this is, this is what we need to know. Like you say, you don't need to know the whole platform, but you do need to be aware. You need to be aware. And just knowing that you can put settings in place, uh, that's huge, right? Having those rules, absolutely you have those rules and then you you need to have the conversation about what it means when you break a rule you know absolutely. and also rules i think rules for parents too like you know i won't be going into your phone and snooping if i know that you know these these are these are followed and then and then like you said that having that deep you know being able to have those conversations the deep connection with your kids um that's so huge in general so um so this is all really great do you have any last words of advice or anything like that any anything that you can leave uh, my listeners with absolutely so if people want to check out our our course for parents which is called the buckling the social media seatbelt super course it is on our website it is free so parents can go on and see this whole buckling the social media seatbelt system that we've laid out. It goes through everything in depth, all the tips you need, all the, all the conversations to have. That's on our website. So that's www.ofsms.org. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. Oh, yeah. you go there again. It's, yeah, it'll be everywhere. Yeah. It's free. So that's that's the best way that we can share our expertise with parents. Uh, we are also available to go to schools and do our workshops once mm -hmm. we're able to do that again, work with your child's school on social media safety policies. We are available to do that. All that information again is, is on our website. If mm -hmm. parents would like to join with us, this obviously is a massive, massive endeavor that our nonprofit is undertaking. So we need mm -hmm. all the support that we could get. You could go to our website and find out how to support us. You can sign up for our newsletter or like us on social media as well or follow us on social media. Yeah, I mean, you got to be on social media, that's for sure. We, we are on social media. We are. <laughs> every, every platform we study, so. <laughs> yes. So it's O, 
F-S-M-S, right? So, and that'll be in the show notes, but uh, for social media safety. So that's why it's O-F-S-M-S. That makes perfect sense. And thank you for doing all of that. Really, truly, thank you for doing that. And look, if 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 those of you who are listening, you take advantage of the course, you know, to 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 donate to to support the organization that has provided this. I think that is a really wonderful thing to do uh, back as a thank you. So uh, I encourage people to do that as well. I just want to say it is lovely to meet both of you. Um, you know, I, I'm sorry, Ed, that you know you, you it started with with a really you know sad and tragic situation and uh, and I, I do hope that Jordan continues to to grow and thrive and heal um yeah thank you so thank you happy. I really appreciate that I do yeah oh you're welcome well thank you both for being here thank you thank so you much for having us again Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.